everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Apex F1 podcast. I have on the show with me, Katie. Grab your gloves, strap on your helmet, because you're about to turn on to the Apex. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a long time coming, but you're finally on here. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out and inviting me on the podcast. I can't wait to chat all things F1 and such with you. It's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we basically just have a few things uh, to talk about since it's been a pretty quiet week in F1. Um, especially after, you know, the whole Spanish Grand Prix and everything. So maybe we could talk some predictions for the rest of the season and kind of get your takes on some of the drivers and the news that's been bubbling around recently. Yeah, no, I think that sounds great. So um, one of the first questions we always like to start off with is our icebreaker, which is what kind of pizza do you prefer? Ooh. Or your favorite now, type? I am a sucker for a good old margarita, which makes me sound incredibly boring and incredibly vanilla, but sometimes you can't beat it. I'm also one of those weird people that really likes pineapple on pizza, which I know for some people might be seen like a criminal offense. I know. <laughs> I'll just leave the podcast now. Like, uh. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm one of those. Um, but no, I think, I don't really know if I have a favorite. I also like, I'm oh, making my life sound so boring, but just like a good vegetarian like option with maybe some courgettes and peppers on there, things like that. I, I just love all pizza, basically. No worries. And um, that is absolutely okay. Okay, so like, I don't know if you've listened to some of the previous interviews that we've had, but we have, um, so far, the one interesting one that we've had was mushrooms and pear on pizza. Okay. I've never I've never heard of pear on pizza. And um, I thought that was an interesting type of pizza. But uh, when we had Chloe Grant from F1 Academy on here, she was saying she's basically, you know, just a ham and pineapple pizza, pizza girl. And um, then we had Phil Hill on here and he said he liked the meats and everything. So it's pretty cool. Um, a margarita pizza is always really good. You can't go wrong, especially in Italy. Like if you don't know oh, what yeah. to get when you're in Italy, just going for like a margarita. I don't know if I call them like margaritas over there, but you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's it's. I think it would. I think it would still be a margarita pizza. I mean, otherwise they'll come out with a drink in their hand, and you know, either way, you're still winning. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, we just kind of like to to ask those questions just to kind of you know help break the ice, but also we also love to um, add it because there's some maybe sometimes there's things that we haven't tried. I love pizza. Josh also loves pizza. Um, so that's just one of our thing that we have out here. So you're. You're going to be here in Portland in next week, right? Or is it this week? <laughs> no, it's next week. Next week. And it's really bad because I still haven't booked my flight to accommodation. <laughs> and every single time I go to do it, I'm thinking, yeah, this is sneaking up pretty quickly. So I need to do that. Maybe that's the job for tonight. But yeah, I'll be there with Formula E, which is super exciting. Yeah, I've... um. I've actually, you know, seen the track over there, but I've never been to the track. I've only seen it like when I was flying in and I was like, oh, that is so cool. I've always wanted a chance to go check out Portland Raceway. So someday I'll get to go up there. But that's awesome. So you're going to be there uh, covering the race and just kind of walk us through a little bit about like what you do as a journalist working for uh, the Formula E Championship. Yeah. So Formula E is a championship that I have covered 
personally since season one, which was back in 2014. It was a championship that really interested me. It was very new at the time using electric technologies. So you didn't have like an engine as such in the back. And it was drawing in lots of big names, both in terms of drivers and as teams, as manufacturers. Um, But for season nine, which is what we're in now, and Gen 3, which is the third generation of Formula E. So it's basically a bigger, better car, lighter, it's faster, it's all of this good stuff. Um, they have brought me on board to sort of help with the editorial output that they've got there. So when I'm on the ground for races, I'll be in media pen. I'll be speaking to drivers, getting quotes from them, as well as doing pieces that are maybe kind of filler bits in between races. Um, I did something a few weeks ago, which I enjoyed, which was like which drivers have won both races over a double header weekend, because in some cases, unfortunately not in Portland, but for Rome and London, which are the last races left after Portland, they're both double headers, which is quite a unique thing in Formula E um, mm-hmm. to have, or just in motorsport really, to have two races um, over a Saturday and a Sunday. So yeah, basically just helping them with their website output. And I love it. I just feel it's so amazing. Like it's gone full circle. Because uh, I've seen some of your stuff that that um, you've shared on your personal Instagram page and you know, some of the stuff that formula E has shared. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, there's Katie. I know her. Well, not, not like know her, but like, I just, I'm like, Oh, I know where she's from, but you know me now. So yeah, I know, you know, and <laughs> absolutely. Basically one of the things that um, most people may or may not know is that you have your own podcast, which is called the small torque podcast. And just kind of explain that to us a little bit. And maybe some of the listeners who maybe haven't heard it. Yeah, so um, my podcast, Small Talk, is maybe a little bit different to the kind of podcast that you hear at the moment in that it's just little old me doing podcasts. (laughs) So um, rather than have any co-hosts or anything like that, I just sit down and record each episode and I treat it a bit like a voice note. So if you're one of these people that aren't a fan of voice notes, then maybe this podcast isn't for you, which is probably not the best way to promote it off the bat. But um, it's, yeah, a bit of an informal but comforting look at maybe certain stories in motorsport, giving my takes on certain situations, as well as a bit of a more personal feel. Like in the most recent episode, I talked about the fact that I had just moved to a new apartment, um, as well as winding in the fact that I'd spoken to James Vowles, the William team principal, and how that all went, and linking in a bit of Formula E chatter. And yeah, it's basically just like a nice, cosy, comforting podcast that tackles some of the big topics in motorsport yeah i i i I guess you could say it classified as more like an intimate and comforting setting where you're you're definitely feeling more of your personal thoughts and also basically just kind of like a vlog as well um but not quite that's true i definitely i i love the the section when you were talking about james vows in your most recent episode and i was like oh my gosh he seems like an absolute down-to-earth, cool person you can talk to. But the fact that he was racing, too, I thought that was a really interesting note that you added in there. Yeah, it's such an interesting sort of project that I don't feel like many people are aware of the fact that he does does this racing on the side. And he said some really interesting stuff as well, that when he races, sometimes maybe before lights out, he kind of gets this feeling of like, Oh gosh, should I should I be here? Like I feel like I'm an imposter. Maybe I've lost my racing ability. This is gonna be a disaster. And then as soon as the lights go out, like these thoughts are gone and you're just in it and you're racing and you're great at it. And he said that he's spoken to pretty much all drivers and they all seem to go through the similar kind of thought process before the start of a race, which, you know, 
might apply to the likes of Alex Alban and Logan Sargent that he's working with now, but you know, who knows, maybe Lewis Hamilton feels the same way. And that's such like a vulnerable position to put himself in to sort of admit to these almost doubts that he gets before the start of a race, but then to also share that lots of other drivers feel the same. Um, I thought was a really interesting point. Yeah. I th- I think that is, that is so cool. Like, you know, that in, it, it's interesting to know, like even, you know, even somebody performing at a top level can have those imposter syndrome uh, moments where it's like, you know, you get those flooding feelings of self-doubt. Um, but as soon as, you know, it's lights out, you're in it to win it and you're ready to go. Yeah, very much so. That is a cool thing. I also, you know, I, I listened to the episode when you were talking about when you went to Madrid and you saw the Formula One exhibit. I know you sort of talked a little bit about it in your episode, but I want to kind of ask a little bit more of a deeper sense of when you saw Roman Grosjean's car, what was your first initial reaction when you saw that? Yeah, no, I was very lucky to sort of go to an opening event for the thing and I was walking around and they have it in a different area. So there's nothing else around it in this small room. There's only a screen that is displaying Roman's crush in the background and then the actual, I guess, skeleton of what's left of the car. And yeah, it's a very emotional moment. I mean, I've got no shame in sort of saying that sometimes seeing the crash and replaying it again, like it is very traumatic. And sometimes I can get myself feeling very upset looking at it. Um, And I don't think that that makes me like any less of a strong person. I know that some people might sort of think, oh, well, it's a crash and that kind of thing. But it just brings back so many emotions that us fans saw when we when it happened live like it was such a shocking thing but um yeah it is quite a traumatizing situation to go and see it but also you you've got the shock and the sadness of the fact that this happened but then also that sort of miracle aspect that he was able to come out from this damaged uh, chassis that was there come out of the flames and yeah it's just such a testament to the FIA and the fact that they were able to create such a safe shell for him in that car. But yeah, I'm really, really glad that it's on display. I think some people might have wondered if it's like a little bit too over the line, if that makes sense, of displaying something that's quite like that, like a a crash chassis, (laughs) like a tongue twister. Um, But no, I think it was definitely, it's a good thing to have in the exhibition And I would urge anyone, whether they're able to go and see it when it's in Madrid or if it does end up doing a tour of the world to to go to the exhibition and see it for yourself. I definitely I remember when they were showcasing it on their Instagram page and basically like promoting that that aspect. It I think it, I agree with you. It basically shows it shows it's a testament to the the safety regulations that have definitely improved and how he was able to basically walk away from that crash with I guess you would call it minimal in injuries because it could have been a lot worse, but I'm just glad that he was safe. And, you know, basically it doesn't make you like what you were saying. It doesn't make you any less of a person to, you know, get emotional or, you know, see that and just kind of feel it's hard to explain it, but it's more of like, I want to say like sadness because that, that was like my initial reaction when I seen it, but I was more grateful that all of those safety regulations were in place. So just seeing that there, I hope that someday I can get a chance to go there and see it. Or like you said, if it travels the world, that I would love to go and see that. 
Now, you also saw Pierre Gasly's winning car at Monza. How cool was that? Yeah, it was very cool. Whenever I see F1 cars, I always am surprised about how big they are. Like, I don't, I know I'm only small. I'm like just over five foot. So most <laughs> things might seem giant to me, but I'm always taken aback by like how wide the cars are, for example. Um, and so, yeah, like seeing F1 cars, especially Pierre's Alpha Tauri, was a really cool experience because. Yeah, that's in one of the rooms that's just before uh, Grosjean's. So, yeah, it's like a, an interesting look at, I guess, a car that's in the history books for like those reasons of taking Pierre to that maiden victory and what a special moment that was. And then like a reminder of how like cars can be on the other side, if that makes sense. But yeah, that was a really cool experience. Um, and that Alpha Tower delivery. It's just so good. It's just chef's kiss, that literally. It is, it is beautiful. So I, when I went to the launch event in Vegas, we saw, it was basically a show car, but I could not believe it seeing the Williams, the Alpha Tauri, and it had all the, the basically the clubs, diamonds, and spades, and hearts all over the, the halo ring. And um, I could not believe how low those cars are to the ground. I saw Lewis Hamilton's car for when he was there. I also got to see the, I guess it was Max Verstappen's car there too, but it was like a show car, I think. I'm not exactly sure how that all works, especially when they were supposed to be in Abu Dhabi like the weekend after that. So that's a lot of logistics for them. Yeah, so that was a crazy experience for me, seeing how low the Alpha Tauri sits um, and just the regular F1 cars in general. Um, so I, I want to go into our next section, which is kind of talking a little bit more about you, Tommy, and, and Matt, and was when you guys were doing WTF1 together. I remember towards the ending of that era when you guys were all there, um, a lot of people were asking questions like, what's going to happen? Like, what is Katie going to stay? Is Katie going to go? Can you just kind of explain that? I know maybe some of us have heard a little bit about it, but for those of us that haven't, just kind of explain a little bit about what happened during that time in your transition to doing your freelance status now. Yeah. So I knew that Matt and Tommy were going to be leaving towards the end of the uh, 2022 season and so I kind of had a few weeks I gave myself to sort of decide shall I stay at WTF1 like it's a job that I loved it's a job that I knew I was good at and it was familiar and all of this kind of stuff and I knew I could do it and I could do it well so I was like do I stay with WTF1 except the landscape of the brand is going to be completely different or do I take the risk and go freelance um now going freelance i if i was going to do it i knew that i had to do things that um one pushed me a little bit out of my comfort zone but two were things that i had really missed when working at wtf1 like i wasn't really able to travel much and although a lot of that was due to the fact that i started there in 2020 like right in the middle of the pandemic which did prohibit me traveling a lot but i knew that i wanted to get out of the house a lot more I knew that I wanted to be back um, in a position where I could be interviewing people. And so the opportunities that I've been able to take on since leaving WTF1 have enabled me to do that. And I feel very fortunate and very lucky. Um, but yeah, it was um, a bit of an interesting situation after the boys left because we had different notice periods. So I was still staying on, you know, the situation with Matt and Tommy leaving, obviously there was a huge amount of conversation and discourse in the F1 community about what was going on. And it was all quite overwhelming. So I decided to talk, 
sort of take a step back from social media myself because like you say I was getting all these questions about what was going on with me and um, all that kind of stuff so I decided to take a step back and instead focus my energy on helping the new team at WTF1 and just trying to make their transition as as smooth and as easy as possible so whether that was meeting up with them in the London offices that they had there and sort of just being a person that they could speak to if they had any questions about stuff I helped in bringing in Charlie who's there now as website editor she's taken over the role that I used to have and making sure that she was comfortable and um, I knew that she'd be absolutely fine because she's such a talent but you know making sure that all of the team there were happy and felt settled in to sort of undertake this next generation of WTF1. So that was kind of what I was doing. And then, yeah, I went freelance in February and I haven't really looked back. I'm like so happy and I can leave my house, which is great and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm, it was definitely the right decision. I feel a million times happier for it. Yeah. You definitely seem a lot happier for it because I noticed, you know, you've, especially you seeing your, your, uh, your small talk podcast on the the billboard in Leicester. I'm sorry. I'm my butcher this name, Leicester square, Leicester square. You're close. <laughs> it's a really tricky one. <laughs> Just kind of walk us through, you know, seeing the progress that you've made from going basically freelance to seeing your billboard up there with uh, Lizzie McIntosh and also Matt and Tommy at P1. I mean, it's been crazy because to think like leaving there in February to going completely freelance, finding clients, getting to grips with becoming self-employed for the first time and all the hurdles that come with that, starting my own podcast. um, And I was chucking other stuff in there because I just clearly can't be doing with one new thing I need lots of new things so I had like lots of lifestyle changes like I joined a gym and all of this other kind of stuff and now I've recently moved and like all of these things that people are like uh you know they're big changes I'm like I'm just gonna cram it into like four months why not that seems completely sane so yeah to then go from creating my podcast to like a month two months later having it on a billboard in Leicester Square is insane um and sometimes I do like not worry but it's all happened in such quick succession that I feel like sometimes I'm not taking it in as much as I should do, but I just feel super blessed to be in this position and to have such a lovely, loyal group of people that follow my journey and support me. Like even posting things about my projects, I get so many lovely messages and people taking the time out of their days to congratulate me on stuff. And it's like a very humbling thing. So I'm very fortunate to be in that position as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know you definitely deserve it. And you've, you're still growing. So it's, it's awesome to see that growth that you're doing. And you know, that's just something like that inspires Josh and I with this podcast is like, you know, granted, we are a little podcast, but I mean, you have some experience working with Matt and Tommy that it kind of gives us inspiration to be like, you know, someday we'll be able to make it to that point with you and you and the rest of everybody else that's up there. I did, however, want to touch on one thing that you are very passionate about is uh, women in motorsport. I do have a question here from her name is F1 Med Reader, and she said, hi, Katie, any advice to all of the girls who want to start their own motorsport project. Thank you. Well, I mean, I think regardless, like you should start your project if you're passionate, like regardless of your gender. I know sometimes it might feel like, especially motorsports is a very male dominated industry, but I promise you that there are more and more amazing women that are making paths and 
doing really cool stuff in motorsports. So don't be put off by the fact that maybe you might feel like women are kind of an anomaly in motorsport because that's not the case. It might seem like that from an outsider perspective, but I can promise you that more and more amazing women are making their way into motorsport. But um, depending on the kind of thing that you want to get into, obviously I've found my way into it because I started a blog Um, I really enjoyed creative writing at school. And although I did terribly in my exams, like I'm such a poster person for not doing well in exams, not going to university and still managing to make it work with like no connection to motorsport. So if I can do it, then you can definitely do it, whoever you are listening. But yeah, find your niche, find what you're most passionate about, whether that is talking about the history of Formula One, whether that's talking about, I don't know, like what Lewis Hamilton's rocked up to the paddock wearing today. Like it could be anything. You could talk about whatever you're passionate about. And there'll be other people out there that will definitely relate to you and enjoy your content. But I think as long as you you know you love what you're talking about, you are happy to learn and understand and do your research for certain things, then people will come to you and and enjoy what you're putting out there. But yeah, just go for whatever feels right. If you enjoy writing, then experiment with, you know, new stories, long form content, uh, interviews. That's kind of how I found what I enjoy like you know, I can do stuff to deadline like news stories, but for me, I really enjoy sinking my teeth into like a lovely feature or a throwback or something like that. So yeah, just uh, give it a go and don't let your gender sort of put any barriers in front of you because you can do whatever you set your mind to. Yeah, absolutely. That's some, that's, that is some excellent advice right there. Like you said, it can, it can seem very um, intimidating that motorsport can be a very male dominated sport but i have noticed quite a bit as of recently that it is changing quite a bit and i love to see that change josh and i both are like here for it we love seeing as a matter of fact like we've actually started to see a rise more of female-led motorsport podcasts or blogs and stuff like that so we're seeing an active rise within that and not only that but with the f1 academy as well too So that's a pretty cool thing to know that there's more opportunities for women and, you know, females just to be able to basically want to say, just have a seat at the table like they should. And I think that's amazing. The other question that came in is, how are you looking to make change within Formula E community? Because I know that there is quite a few people that are not really too familiar with Formula E, how how would you say that you're looking to make this more accessible to entry-level motorsport fans? Yeah, I don't know why. There seems to be like a real, not a disconnect, but, you know, there's been such a huge flock of fans to Formula One, thanks to Drive to Survive and Netflix and it being so accessible. Most people nowadays have a Netflix account rather than spending, you know, £40 a month or whatever it is for Sky Sports here in the UK to watch it. Like it's a nice entry point. And although Formula E does have its own documentary series, which you can check out, if you visit their website, you can find out where it's streaming and you can watch it that way. Yeah, maybe it's because I don't know why there's such a like a a thing for people not to get into it at entry level but it's definitely something that I would love to help with because I am so passionate about it and as being as somebody who's like I said been there since day one and seen the evolution of this championship and how many 
cool drivers there are that have got like I'm not being funny some of their banter is a million times better than the banter that they have in F1 like there have been so many funny moments that I've witnessed even just like in the media pen of them joking around and there's lots of bromances and they've got this amazing um section uh, which you have to check out and it's the team radios and so you have like basically an exclusive look at the spiciest team radios that happen throughout each EPRI. And oh my goodness, it's like an episode of, I don't even know, like keeping up with the Kardashians or Desperate Housewives or something. It's like soap opera level. They're swearing at each other and saying all these crazy things. So it is, it is really awesome. But yeah, I would like to do some podcasts on it um, to sort of help ease new fans into it so they can get a better understanding of it. I'm not sure maybe it's like the technology side of it because it is all electric and you have powertrains and not engines and you've got regen braking and all of these different elements that to maybe a new motorsport fan might seem quite intimidating and like, oh gosh, I don't know what the hell's a regen braking system and all this kind of thing. But put on some of the race and give it a go and I promise you, you'll love it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, this past weekend, I turned on the 24 hour of Le Mans and I was blown away by everything that I've seen from that, you know, from the Ferrari stuff that happened to the um the Camaro for I guess it was the the US team that was out there and they were uh it was the NASCAR looking car that was out there. There's a whole bunch of memes on TikTok about it and I I absolutely die. Every time I see them I'm like this is the funniest thing ever. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. It can seem kind of intimidating for those those of us like you said, Drive to Survive sort of helped propel F1 into like a huge spotlight. Plus, it also helps new fans get a sense of dramatized action of like what actually goes on. I kind of wanted to ask you, like, what is a normal day? This will be my last question, and then we'll go into the F1 talk. So you're going to be in Portland next week. What is your typical weekend look like? Oh, okay. So everything informally happens in the one day normally. You might get a free practice session. So set, let's so right, the races are on a Saturday. So this is what will be in Portland. So on the Friday evening, they will host a half an hour free practice session for the drivers to get used to the circuit. They also have a shakedown as well, um, which is like a little run around to get a feel for it. But yeah, free practice one on the Friday is um, a chance for them to get a proper feel for the circuit. Then on the Saturday, it's an early start because you have to fit free practice to qualifying, which is a long process. It's different to what you might expect experience in Formula One. So with qualifying, the the grid is split into two groups. You've got group A and group B. And the fastest four from group A and the fastest four from group B will go through into something called the duels. So there'll be eight of them that take part in this. And there's quarterfinals semi-finals and then a final and all of this helps sort out the order of the grid so it's very different to like the three um like q1 q2 q3 you get in formula one um but that takes takes time but it is worth the wait it's excellent and then you also have the epre in the same day so a little bit later on in the afternoon so you've got basically everything crammed into one day which makes it an amazing spectacle for a fan because you can get yourself a grandstand ticket and basically not move for the entire day apart from go to the toilet and get some food because you've got racing all day so it's great but it makes the life of somebody that works on the ground 
quite intense because you have to get there early and then I'll be doing like session reports for the practice sessions and the qualifying. And then in between, I will be trying to either hunt down stories or write out any breaking news, um, try and have a wander down the pit lane and see what I can find in terms of um, people I want to grab and speak to. Uh, and then time for lunch. That's very important. And then after the after the race, um, it's a case of listening to the top three in the race, transcribing their audios, going to the press conference, um, also listening to what the top three have to say from there, and then going to the media pen and trying to speak to as many drivers as I can in there. Um, and yeah, the media pen I love. I think that's probably my favorite thing because... I used to be so scared of it. Like the first chance I had to do a media pen in Formula 8, I actually missed it because I had a panic attack in the media center and was like, I can't go down there. Even though I had all my questions in my little notebook and I knew which drivers I wanted to speak to, I was just too overwhelmed by the whole thing to go down there. And I thought these drivers were going to be horrible and like yell at me. And like I just got it in my head that it was going to be an awful experience. But now I love it. I literally go into media pen having no clue who I want to speak to. And you just like end up grabbing drivers. You're like, oi, come here, I want to speak to you. Um, and it's great fun. So yeah, then try and maybe write up some of those from there if there's anything that particularly it needs to be put out in a certain amount of time. But yeah, it's quite a busy day. Um, and you can see like with the double headers that I mentioned earlier, like which we'll have in Italy and we'll have in London, it's makes for yeah quite an, an, an intense couple of days when you've got two race days like that back to back. Um, but yeah, I love it. So <laughs> when you were explaining everything, like, you know, in the very beginning part of that, I was like, oh, whoa, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, I could I could definitely see how the media pen would be intimidating at first. Um, and then pretty much you basically are like calling people out, like cussing them out, like, Hey, get, get over here. Get the f over here. I need to ask you questions. Um, and they all like hide at the back as well. Cause of the, how the media pen is normally in like, when you see it in F1, it seems to be like a square. So you haven't really got anywhere to hide you unless you carry in the middle. But with this, it's like, there's a wall and then there's space for the drivers and then there's the media and we're sort of behind like a rope or whatever. Um, and the drivers will just go and like stand like this to the wall and talk amongst themselves. And I'm, I like point at them and they're like, me? And I'm like, of course you, come here. <laughs> so no, sometimes you have to guy, rely on... yes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes like the PRs, bless them, they're wonderful. And I'll sort of be like, can I please speak to the, your driver there? And they're like, okay, I'll go and get them. And they like drag them along. They look like they've been told off or something. But... Being pulling them by the ear, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> I know, it's literally like that, but it's, it's all good. There's nothing but love there for the drivers. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it, um, I think Formula E is something that Josh and I need to take a look into because it's, it seems interesting. Like, I think I've always had a intrigued, like interest with it. I just haven't really figured out where to find it. And that I, that I think is like the biggest issue for me is like here in America, like I know that they have it on YouTube, like they stream it on YouTube, but if it was marketed a little bit better, I think it would be a lot more accessible for people like me who doesn't know anything about formula E like other than a few things um, other than attack mode. Like that's the only thing I know. I'm like, they go in a turn and it goes like super fast. And I'm like, Whoa, that's pretty cool. 10 um, points for you though. You can yeah, you know so it. <laughs> that's the only thing that I know about formula E. And then um, 
So I definitely learned something with the qualifying format you were sharing. Yeah. So that's something that I think could be done a little bit of a better job is, is the marketing aspect in the States. Um, or maybe just have another documentary series like Charged Up or something like that instead of Drive to Survive. That'd be cool. So why don't we dive into a little bit of F1 talk real quick, and then we'll get into your trivia round. One of the things that I, I definitely wanted to talk about was just get your thoughts on is like the Formula One season so far. Is there anything that's sticking out to you? Uh, we just saw Mercedes get a top podium back in Spain weekend before. And we also saw, obviously, Red Bull domination. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts and like what you think about the season so far. Yeah, it's been, I think it's fair to say it's been a little bit of a slow burner. Max Verstappen seems to be just running away with it, which, you know, mm -hmm. dominance happens in Formula One. As much as some maybe newer fans haven't been part of Formula One when we've had this level of dominance, like, it does happen. If it was not Max Verstappen, then it was Lewis Hamilton before him, or it was Michael Schumacher or Sebastian Vettel, you've got to add in there. So, you know, unfortunately, if you're not a fan of Max Verstappen, like you're not going to be obsessed with this era of Formula One, but these times they come and go. So I think what is interesting is that when it was Mercedes dominance and Lewis winning everything, you know, fans were saying, oh my gosh, this feels like it's going to happen forever. And <laughs> it hasn't. So, you know, if you are maybe wanting to root for somebody else to come on through, then you've just got to remember that these times won't last forever. And there will come a time when Red Bull might fumble. And I can't tell you when that's going to be. Could be in a few years, could be in a few decades, which could be a long time away. But yeah, dominance doesn't last forever in Formula One. Famous last words. But um, yeah, I'm, I am enjoying the season so far. I think we haven't yet had that kind of explosive, spicy race yet that we've seen quite early on in a few of the other seasons. Like last year, Imola delivered us some great action. We had Lando Norris on the podium. And although we got kind of close to that with Monaco this year with Esteban or Esti Besti, as I affectionately <laughs> call him, as the one um, on the podium, which was a great result for him. And like, just nice to have some fresh blood on the podium, you know? Um, yeah, I still feel like we haven't yet had that crazy race. I had such high expectations that Baku could be that weekend, especially with it being sprint because we had that crazy like two lap sprint there in 2021 and oh my gosh that was just manic but um so far yeah we've not really had that crazy race if you will um but Canada is this weekend and it is one of my absolute faves I love that track um and it has a real tendency to sort of sprinkle some either crazy weather like last year we had that wet quali there and we had an Alonso front row and like it, it was able to produce some pretty crazy things so I'm, I'm just every single race we go to now I'm going to be like please be the one that produces the banger race <laughs> you're you're gonna be like oh my gosh please just um I know I've seen uh the race uh weekend forecast and I think that there's chances of rain but I don't think that there's a whole downpour of rain like let's hope it's not george russell's sweat in his visor coming down on that track hopefully he learns from that <laughs> um yeah yeah that was so funny i was like uh is there rain i don't see any but i mean who knows the um cool thing is is i agree with you dominance doesn't last forever and i think that's important to know 
Willem, I'm talking to you. Dominance does not last forever. I, I just want to see Fernando on that top step. That would be like absolute hard eyes for me. One of the last questions we'll get into is, um, do you have any crazy predictions for this year in Formula One? Like, do you think that there's going to be a shock podium? Just whatever kind of crazy predictions you have for this year that you might see. Well, I don't know if it's too much of a shock podium, but I feel like if we go somewhere and it rains, and I mean like rain rains, then we'll get a Lance Stroll podium. But then he should be on the podium anyway, because he's in a good car. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go crazy and I'll just say Lance Stroll will get his first win this year. That'll be my prediction. Um, I don't know where. Like he got a wicked, wicked start in Suzuka last year when it was raining. Guaranteed, like the race got red flagged very shortly after. Um, but yeah, he really is like a master in the rain. So apart from then, I'm getting flashbacks to Sochi a few years ago where, wasn't it Lance Stroll where they were like, how are the tyres or something? And he's like, they're fine. And then it cuts to a shot of him and he's like, and he's spinning the into the world, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he has his moments, but so do all drivers. Um, so I'm going to go crazy. If we're going for a crazy prediction, I'll say Lance Stroll gets a win this year, okay. um, which is a bit mad. But you've got to sometimes go crazy, you know, with these kind of things. Because, yeah, if I said something like Sergio Perez is going to win a race, like that's not very exciting. <laughs> I know, like, it's it's definitely a crazy thing to say, but I think I think that does have some merit with that. So I'm not going to say it's too crazy, but... I It'll pass. It'll pass with that. I'll take it. All right, let's get into the lightning round of trivia. So basically, we're going to put on a timer. Yeah, just, just shake it out. I feel like George Russell. No. Um, it's just basically going to be on a minute timer. And then um, it's going to range from, we'll go to super easy. And then we'll go work our way up the ladder. So, so far, before we start, I will say, Phil, um, if you ever go back and listen to some of the old stuff that we have, Phil is our current leader. Isabel is our, so far, she's the third one on the grid right now. So we'll see where you do on our grid, and then we'll put, add you to our wall of fame. Okay. So here we go. It's time for the lightning round trivia questions. Go ahead and name three drivers on the current grid. Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll, Alex Albon. Three teams in the current season. Ferrari, McLaren, Williams. How many pit stop personnel are on a pit stop in Formula One? 14. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in, what, in what year did F1 stop refueling cars? 2009. 2010. 2010. Oh, yes. I'm so close. <laughs> um, how many tracks are counterclockwise in the current F1 calendar? Three? <laughs> I don't know. Six. There's six. Um, what's the purpose of a tire blanket? Keep the tires warm. Yep. Uh, what okay. is the speed limit in the pit lane? 80 kilometers an hour. And what about in miles an hour? Oh, my God. Miles an hour? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 50 miles an hour? Mm-hmm. Like roughly like 50 miles an hour. Okay, um, that's cool. <laughs> what year did Michael Schumacher win his first world driver's? 19... 94. Ding, ding, ding. There I got go. one right. <laughs> so you, no, you actually got quite a few right. So you are between, you're actually tied with Chloe, Chloe Grant from F1 Academy. Um, hey, yeah, tied with a racing driver. That's fine by me. <laughs> we loved her on here because she was so funny. She was absolutely like panicking when we were doing the trivia with her, but 
It was, it's just a fun thing to do. And I think that's like what makes us unique. So I'd like to hear like what everyone says. As we close out, Katie, is there anything that you want to shout out before we go? Um, and maybe anything that you're working with? Um, well, yeah, firstly, shout out to you guys because you're an amazing small independent podcast and you know it's great to support other podcasts out there um so yes big love to you guys um but then in terms of things that i want to shout out like yeah tune into the portland epre which is next weekend or if you can't tune into that then there's also rome and london still remaining this season so there's no excuse um but yeah also you can find me on Twitter at Katie Fairman or on Instagram at Katie Motorsport. So I'll be posting maybe things I'm working on or give you more behind the scenes of what my day-to-day life looks like. So head on over there and give me some love if you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Katie, thank you so much for uh, coming on this this uh, podcast and d- you are definitely more than welcome to come back again. Um, I know you really have a busy schedule uh, plus, you know, we've got, you know, summer going on now and um, it's it's definitely a crazy time. A lot of events going on. But yeah, you were definitely more than welcome to uh, come hang out with us here. Uh, hopefully next time when you come on, Josh will be here. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. And everybody, make sure that you are entered in for that giveaway um we are giving away a free copy of f1 2023 um if you have not go to our instagram check out the rules and the details on how you can get entered uh be sure to go ahead and follow the podcast so you can get all the latest updates and if you haven't already go to the last episode and look for the secret word you can get extra entries for that all right everybody have a great rest of your week and we will see you next time on the apex f1 podcast Woo-hoo.